Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network. That's K-O-I-I dot network, where you can mint atomic NFTs on-chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com magazine. Today, my guest is the Dapper Labs marketing manager, Vinyls. Hey, it's Vinyls. Welcome to NFP. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Glad to join you. Let's have some fun today. Yeah, this is super cool. You know, I was... Uh... How long ago was it? I had a piece up as like a little auction, a Twitter auction. Was it the Kim Kardashian piece? Yeah, it was Kim. Yeah. Was it? it? About, about a month ago at this point, I yeah, guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's when I first chatted with you and uh, kind of got to know you a little bit um, as the Dapper Labs marketing manager. And I was like, holy cow, the Dapper Labs marketing manager is bidding on my art. That's so awesome. So uh, that was really cool. And then I was looking you up and I see you joined Dapper Labs in July. That's right. And that was a major, major career change for you. Because before that, weren't you into some kind of legal work you were saying? Yeah. So um, for the last 10 years before joining Dapper, I've been uh, a lawyer at an employment law firm, mm -hmm. uh, a, par a partner at the firm. Uh, so, you know, not just some lowly peon, like literally helping run the firm on, the, yeah, yeah, on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and an opportunity came up in the NFT world with a project that I was passionate about. And, you know, how that, in the world that did that. that happen? You got to tell me, I'm sure a lot yeah, of listeners sure. are like thinking, Hey, I'd love to get into this realm somehow. How, you know, yeah. so it's always interesting to hear stories of how people kind of, you know, work their way into something. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's one of those stories where my wife still can't believe that it, that it's happened. Like she, like, it's still like a daily conversation. Like, how are we here? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so like what happened was in January of this year, um, an article came out from, uh, Justin Bales, who is big in the daily fantasy sports world, which okay. is a world, which is the world I've been in for the last, however many years since it started and it's something that I love and I'm passionate about, love sports. Um, and they wrote an article about NBA top shot and mm -hmm. how, uh, you know, there's all these big money, uh, moments being sold. And I was like, what the heck is this? How do I not know about this? Um, and I jumped right in, joined the discord, created my account. And back then packs were like readily available. I, and I just started buying five, mm. 10, 20, 40 packs. Um, I'd go to sleep at night, wake up the next morning. Packs were still available. Maybe like, I mean, uh, we'll never see I kind of spent a lot of money on <laughs> That's exactly and, and, and we'll, we'll never see that again with top shot just because we we don't want to explode the supply to the point where people you know are not happy with the scarcity and obviously yeah. that's a tough balance but anyway it was so much fun and i was telling all my friends like you got to do this like this is so much fun just getting them all in and um on the discord i just was like really really active and mm -hmm. the old community manager uzman um, who, you know, many of the listeners may know, who's now working with uh, Candy, another uh, sports NFT project. Mm -hmm. He reached out and he's like, hey, we want to bring you on the mod team. So this was like, 
mid to end of January at that point. And I was like, okay. all right, sure, let's do it. And uh, I, I would work all day as a lawyer and then all night, I mean, from 6 p.m. till 1 a.m. would be on the Discord answering questions and, you know, just immersing myself in the product as much as I possibly could. And the right people took notice of it. And when I made the decision to finally say, hey, I think I'm ready to make a career jump, um, I I uh, got a lot of good references and recommendations from people within the company. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, the rest is sort of history at that point. But that's how I got to know everybody that, you know, sort of helped me get into this position was seven months of, you know, a th you know thousands of hours of unpaid volunteer yep. moderating on the discord and uh you know it's clearly paid off yeah well like i often get asked that too like you know how do you get into this you know and i always say first of all you have to love it because you're gonna be doing like i had the same experience because i'm a teacher um where basically when i'm done all my teaching stuff then i switch to this stuff and i do it for hours right but i love it like it's not a problem for me i look forward to it right um, yeah, absolutely. You know. Like, yeah, I, I would get done work and I, you know, and even during work, I, I would be looking stuff up. I would always have a Twitter tab open just to like keep track of stuff because if I spent an entire day without, you know, looking at the news, I would be behind. That's how mm -hmm. fast the space moves. Uh, and, uh, you know, on the teaching note, I actually taught, I was a law school professor for, okay. uh, for four and a half years, uh, until the pandemic and they sort of let all the adjuncts go and, um, but you know, it's fun. I love teaching. And mm -hmm. I think part of what is fun about this job is I have the opportunity to teach about blockchain in, in my emails and in, in my blogs, I can sort of, you know, drop all this information for people who are literally have no idea what's going on. And so, you know, on that teaching note, I just love teaching and I love explaining things to people and seeing like their eyes light up. You know, when I explain to my friends about NFTs and I see them like have that aha moment, uh -huh. which everybody yes. has with NFTs when they finally realize what the heck's going on, uh, that feeling is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's actually, this is kind of interesting. I've never said this on the podcast before, but this is the first year in my teaching career that I've reduced my teaching time because of my success with NFTs. So oh, well, congratulations. Just, That's yeah, awesome. Thanks. I just decided that a few days ago. I'm not I'm still teaching. I'm just having some time off in a few spots during the week to dedicate to this other stuff. So I'm super pumped about that, of course. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's so exciting making that move. There is kind of that daunting kind of, eh, should I do this? Because there's a lot of security yeah. in a job that you've kind of established yourself in. What did that, was that like for you kind of that, was it kind of a fearful thing or was it like, ah, this is a slam dunk or what? Uh, there were a lot of sleepless nights. Um, it was a really difficult decision because the legal job was with, was a family firm. It was me, my dad, my brother, oh, my wow. mom was okay. the office manager. My wife was the assistant office manager. It was a family, it was a family so you're run fully business. ensconced. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, it was, it was one of those things like, all right, if I leave, am I going to disappoint my dad who's dedicated mm. his whole life to building this? Am I going to disappoint my See, brother? You didn't just who... go like part time. You were like, Psh, gone. Yeah. Like, that's a so, big shift. you know, so that's interesting. We, I originally went to them and said, Hey, I want to, I want to pull back. I want to just work three days a week. Okay. I want to, I want to put four days a week into, you know, NFTs and really see if there's something there. And they basically came back and said, if you're going for it, just go for it. Mm. And wow. Good for the, you know, we went out, we went out for lunch one day and we, we worked some stuff out and 
you know, I was the, the next day I was interviewing with, with Dapper. I had already put in, I was already planning on interviewing with them and I was going to pull back and, and work maybe like a, uh, you know, contractor part-time gig. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going, if I'm going, I'm going all in and I, I went for it and uh, it's, it's worked out so far, you know, about a month and a half in now. And uh, I, I love, I love it every day. I, you know, law was exciting to help people, but I didn't love it. It wasn't something I woke up or, you know, spend all night reading cases or anything like that. It just never hit me like that. Like it does some people and NFTs like and art and sports. It it just, it hits all the buttons for me. And um, it's the sort of stuff you would do for free anyway. And now you get to do it for an income. Exactly. That's what I found my experience. Exactly. I, I, Obviously, it's still a job, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm working as much as right. I was before. Like, there are obligations to, there. Yeah, of course. But I get to talk about the NBA and write about the NBA and the WNBA all day. I mean, I, Come I mean, if I could handpick a, a job, this would be pretty close to it. <laughs> so that leads me to a question. I might put you a bit on the spot here and you're, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. OK, obviously, Top Shots, hugely successful NBA. Where are all the other sports franchises? No well, NFL, I can't, no NHL, no. I can't really no talk FIFA, too much. What's going I on here? Really, I can't really talk too much about it, but I, you know, I, I think that uh, you know our our plans are to bring as much in as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just you know, got the WNBA going, right? Yeah, exactly. WNBA launched last week. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really excited about that. Um, I was really excited about that. Uh, I, I love the fact that we're highlighting the NBA. They don't get nearly enough credit uh for the amazing athleticism they show um Mm. you know i I think i think women's basketball sort of got a bad rap over the years because it wasn't men's basketball and i think people are finally i think people are finally starting to understand hey they're this this may be a different game but it's still exciting it's still fun these are still talented athletes so that's been cool and you know like i said i i think dapper wants to do as much as they possibly can and, and are going to explore every avenue they possibly can um I don't think that there's anything that's off the table necessarily. Um, I think that's just the mindset of the company that we want to, we want to change the world. We want to get a wallet in everybody's pocket. Um, and, and how do we do that? And that's, you know, getting, getting the IPs we need to make that happen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm sure. Well, in the you've future, had enormous there, success yeah. with the IPs that you're working with. Right. And of course, it, you know, it, it's so important to make sure that the IPs are handled properly because everybody's watching mm-hmm. when you have a, when you have top shot doing the numbers that it was doing back in February and March, everyone takes notice and everyone is sort of like taking notes. Okay. This is how we can do things. You know, the Q system, when it was implemented back in, in March, there were 500,000 people trying to get a pack. Um, you know, that was sort of revolutionary for the NFT space. That wasn't something that ever happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, you look at projects like, you know, even, even to right now, you know, board apes and cool cats and gutter cats and all that stuff. Sure. It's all you know, like, you go to a website, you hit a button, you, you get into a gas war and, and you go and you get it <laughs> with top shot. You're just in a queue. And if you get lucky and get a number that's within the amount of packs that are there, you go through, you pay for it. There's almost no gas cost. Actually, there is no gas cost because the gas cost is all paid for um, by Dapper labs through the flow blockchain. And so, you know, 
there's nothing else really like that where you can buy into NFTs with no gas whatsoever, or, you know, you have a legitimate even chance with everybody else going for it. Um, so I think in that way, it, it has really become the gateway to NFTs. Mm-hmm. And I think if you talk to a lot of the whales in the NFT collector circles, um, I think a lot of them got their start on Top Shot. It was mm-hmm. accessible. It was yep. an easy way to learn about blockchain and learn about NFTs. And it was sort of a product that gave people an idea of what NFTs were. I mean, I had heard of NFTs. I have been into blockchain and cryptocurrency for years, but NFTs really just got on my radar probably mid 2020. And I saw like okay. CryptoPunks and I'm like, what the heck are the what, what's the point of this i could have gotten like 20 of them for like 500 dollars <laughs> right? each so like i hate myself right now but um i've been in this space for years <laughs> and i didn't buy any either so don't feel yeah. too bad so I, I think there's a lot of us in that boat but you know it's it's once it clicked for me all the things that nfts could do i was like all right I'm in, I'm all in. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this is the future. Like I, I was young, I was too young for the dot com boom. I'm not missing this one. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, let's talk flow, you know, sure. with the flow blockchain, obviously, you know, that, that mean, meaning it's not minted on Ethereum. A lot of listeners here, you know, hear primarily about artworks and creations and collectibles on Ethereum. Uh, the flow blockchain is that like a, a proof of stake technology or what's the system behind that? Yeah. So, so flow is like a, a proof of stake consensus, uh, okay. which is different from Ethereum and Bitcoin, which are both proof of work. Um, and the proof of stake uh, is uh, more environmental because it uses less computing power. Uh, and it basically requires the validators to, uh, you know, participate in the network and, and just get the, get the, um, the transactions down the line. Now yeah. we haven't really seen flow under like the immense pressure that we see on some of these other drops, especially sure. with the queue system and everything. You know, we let a certain amount go through at a time to make sure that everything. You're basically is, throttling it, the traffic. Before a little bit, yeah, to make sure that it, it keeps up. And so we yeah. haven't really seen it do what Ethereum does with you know getting <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of transactions at the same time but i do think flow is going to be able to handle that uh and it probably is able to handle it now um there just hasn't really been a use case to to do so yet and so it'll be interesting to see when it you know gets to that point uh what the gas prices are going to look like and and will it be yeah you know or where ethereum is or will it be a little bit lower that remains to be seen but it sounds like ethereum is uh looking to move to a proof of stake model with ethereum Mm 2.0 and i you know in theory that should lower gas prices which i think is the bane of everybody's existence right now i mean i can't tell you how many transactions i've started and then canceled and didn't buy a piece of art because they were the gas fees were were significantly more than significantly more than the piece of art i was buying i just you know as much i i paid five grand in gas already and you know right. so I, i'm not afraid I'd to pay gas well above that with all the minting i've done right and the minting prices are completely ridiculous it just it's got to get under control if we're ever going to have mainstream adoption like i want to go to a soda machine and i want to buy a coke with with ethereum i don't want to pay forty dollars in gas obviously (laughs) to get my dollar coke like there has to be a way to figure out that problem we'll get there i think it comes to a point where they're just interoperable you know i was actually really hopeful this summer that that london was it london update was that what it was yeah one yeah that that would alleviate it and it didn't at all yeah 
yeah, the fifteen the the fifteen fifty nine update. Yeah, there was the gas all this has hype been high it. ever since. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think part of that is we have more transactions than ever yes. before. Yeah. I was just looking at a chart the other day. It was transactions daily, Ethereum versus Bitcoin, and like yep. Bitcoin is like you know down here, nice and Ethereum is like oh, yeah, <laughs> all the way to the top, top of the yeah. screen. No, it's and, true. Ethereum is everybody's on Ethereum. Yeah. And so I, I was saying to somebody the other day who was like, oh, you know, Bitcoin is gold. I said, well, you got to look at Ethereum. Like if Bitcoin's gold, then Ethereum is every other currency in the world because it's usable. Mm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Bitcoin. I like both. I, I, I love Bitcoin for the, you know, for, for holding money in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly safe. I don't think it's going to be tanking anytime soon. So it does, the gold comparison does work really well for it. But mm-hmm. Ethereum is going to be the daily currency yes. that people use for everything and i think we're going to start seeing more and more websites adding a bitpay option uh, where they can use bitcoin or ethereum to make these purchases and and as as we've seen you know seeing 0.2 instead of seeing you know 800 or whatever it may be uh there's a psychological thing going on there that people are much more comfortable spending 0.2 eth than 800 dollars and it's an interesting social experiment that's going on it is interesting so where does that put flow in the long term so I, I think flow uh, will continue getting more and more uh, usage mm-hmm. as people get more comfortable f- with it. Uh, it uses a programming language called Cadence, which is a little bit different than uh, the programming languages for Ethereum. And so there are, if you go into the flow uh, discord, you can see that it's just full of devs, just excited to build and excited to put new uh, smart contracts into effect on um, the flow blockchain. So, uh, I think, I think it's still sort of in its infancy, mm-hmm. um, and still being built out. And, uh, you know, the, the people who are working on it behind the scenes are just some of the smartest people I've ever met. They're unbelievable. And, um, you know, I, I, I was talking to one of them and I was just like, some of it was just over my head to a certain degree. Course, like, it's yeah. just, it's just such technical and advanced stuff that, I just, I'm not a programmer. So I, I understand some programming language and I've, I've read smart contracts, so I understand how they work. But, um, you know, just some of the things that they're working on to make sure that, you know, flow can handle everything is, is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, I think, you know, we kind of eventually will move away from, like when I first got into crypto, I was pure Bitcoin, like maximalist. I'm like, everything else is crap, right? And then after about a year, I'm like, actually, Ethereum's pretty cool, and it is unique, and it is different from Bitcoin. It has different purposes and different usages. And then, and then you go, wait a minute. And then there's this one, and then there's this one, and then there's Flow, and then there's Wax, and then there's etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with there being lots and lots of different solutions that serve different purposes. Absolutely, and I, I think. You mentioned this a little bit ago, but I, I do think we're going to start seeing a lot of cross-chain mm-hmm. um, you know, collaborations because it makes too much sense. There, there yep. may be things that should be built using you know, ERC-20 tokens or you know, 721 tokens um, for NFTs, and there are ERC-20 you know, currencies, mm-hmm. obviously. And I think there is a, a road that we see where those things are built on Ethereum but can be traded on flow for mm-hmm. less gas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, it makes too much sense <clears throat> for it not to happen. And I think I think we'll see that sooner than totally. later. I think I think that everybody's trying to work toward that sort of interoperation and how we can lower gas and make it 
you know, the best user experience possible. Yeah. Like simple example, my sponsor is the Koi network. I don't know if you knew that, but I mean, basically with that, you have an atomic NFT and it, yeah, you can move it from one blockchain to another. Like, yeah, yeah. The atomic, yeah. And we're it's, heading it's, there. That's where yeah, we're heading. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. We're heading toward there. I think, I think, you know, it, it, everything moves quickly, but you yep. sort of like see what's happening because yep. everybody's talking about it constantly. Nobody really keeps things too, too private. I mean, obviously these projects keep their you know future roadmaps a little bit private because they don't want to, you know, artificially change things. But, um, you know, I, I think that because everybody really wants to work together, there's this excitement uh, that all this new thing, you know, web three is still so new to so many people. And there are so many awesome things that can be done that people are just like openly taught. Well, what if we did this? What if we did this? Oh, we can do this. Okay. How do we do this? And, and just working through it together and you can see it happening in real time on Twitter and in these discords. And it, I mean, that's just so cool. I mean, that's something that I've never really been a part of or seen before. So I meant to ask you, cause you're talking about where things are going. Obviously at this point, flow is fairly focused on just the collectibles, especially sports, but also you have crypto kitties. Where do you see, like, I'm kind of more on the art side of things. I mean, collectibles are a type of art, but I like a fine art type. Do you see there being room for that in flow where there's like fine art creations that are selling like one of ones or things like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at uh, Tez, for example, um, I am in the top 200 Tez collectors in the world uh, with the amount of art and the amount of Tez I've spent. And mm -hmm. and a lot of people are like, oh, well, these are ERC 1155 to, or, uh, oh, shoot, what's the number? 11, yeah, I think it's 1155. Yeah, 1155, but you're yeah. talking Tezos now? Yeah. So, okay. I think they use, I think, I think that's the, the type of token they use. Okay, okay. Um, and so that token, you know, has been like, okay, well, this isn't a 720 or 721 yes, I see token. What you're getting at. So yep. it's, so it's not, it's not the providence isn't there. It, it's not on chain the way that a 721 token is on chain. Right. And so I think flow faces that same sort of uh, dilemma that Tez is facing that people who are on the ETH blockchain, who are buying art on ETH, they want it on chain. And mm. so Tezos and Flow need to solve having it completely on chain for it to have the value that it does on ETH. Whether or not that's gonna happen in the short term, I don't know. Um, I certainly think it could happen. Uh, ETH has clearly been the, the place for fine art. But um, what I've seen from Tez, I think there is a market for it. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that people uh, don't necessarily care about whether it's a 721 token or 1155 token or whatever. Some kind people of care about lots of people don't. Right, exactly. There, there yeah. are some people that absolutely care and will put yeah. a huge premium on it being on chain. Yeah. And I get that. I totally understand that. Um, and the fact that it's on chain, it can't really be altered or, or destroyed in any sort of way. Um, so I, I get that. Once you have ownership of that token, you know, it, it's yours to do what you please. So I, I think we are going to see that sort of transition taking place. If it's happening on Tez, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't happen on Flow in the future. Uh, and there are some artists who have put out products on Flow, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily one of one pieces of art, but there have been like card games put out that have a lot of significant art in them and, and things like that. So where would we I don't go to find that? Uh, I think if you go to flow, it has a list of all of the, uh, all the projects that are on it. Let me find it real quick. So yeah, if you go into onflow.org, you can, uh, you know, see everything that's going on about flow, but you can also scroll down toward the bottom of the page and you'll see a section called flow community. You can see all the, the, uh, 
companies that are starting to build on flow dr uh, seuss dr seuss yeah dr seuss was i think Holy announced crap. several months ago is that right um so that'll be that'll be really cool um and so you know obviously there are a lot of brands in here that people will recognize and, and be excited about some pretty uh, big ones samsung yeah and then if you go a little bit further down you can see all the backers hey i see um, nfl player association here you do you interesting. do so you know a lot of interesting things that are huh. going on here and a lot of a lot of uh interested builders uh but one thing you don't really see here is, is the fine art and mm -hmm. and okay. so you know yourself as as a fine artist uh you know it, it seems like keith is the place to do it right now uh will flow ever be that it will probably never be it to the degree that ethereum is i okay. mean once once the beeple sale happened i think that sort of cemented eth as the fine art um okay. hub and I think it's nearly impossible to break that away from ETH. I think others can try and put out great art, um, and there's certainly nothing stopping that from happening. But um, I think ETH just has a really strong hold on the fine art scene. The, the, the vibe I get from Flow is kind of more of this kind of uh, licensed, like, collectibles that used to be you know, the OPG or the tops kind of thing, you know, and you'd go into the as a kid, I'd go in the convenience store and living in Canada, I'd buy the hockey cards. Right. Right. And, yeah. Uh, trading cards, comics, like all the, all the collectible yeah, things that, that were physical, like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like genies reminds me of sort of uh, vinyl toys, which my name vinyls It's because I collect vinyl records and vinyl toys. Yep. Um, uh -huh. And so, you know, I'm huge into that stuff. Like, like Blancos is a, um, is a NFT game and the nfts in the game are like literal vinyl figures created by some of the best vinyl artists in the world hmm. so all these things that i love in the physical world are starting to sort of move over into the digital world and a lot of them uh a lot of my loves are look like they're going through flow a lot of them are still going through ethereum but it's interesting i have all these toys I, you can't really see it on camera but i have shelves of toys where mm -hmm. you know with with all my vinyl toys and i put them up like you know i have i have these old mighty mugs that i had custom made galvatron okay. yep. here yep. Uh, my personal favorite here perfect cell um so you know i had these custom made out of the custom. old wow yeah out of the old uh, mighty mugs oh wow uh so Got those made. And then I have, you know, Zenosama from Dragon Ball Z, which, mm. you know, this is a Funko. So I just love that. He's sort literally of stuff. just like reaching around himself and picking up all these toys. They're all right there <laughs> next to him. <laughs> yeah, for those that aren't watching. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so I have, I have all this stuff and, you know, I, there's places for it, but there's not an infinite amount of space. Of and the fact that I can have it on my computer and I can display them on my computer and just see, look at them whenever I want to, that's to me is exciting. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I have a- Do you have um, any digital frames set up in your house? No, that's what I was just gonna okay. say. I, I have two that I've purchased uh, from Token Frame that I'm waiting okay. to ship. I'm waiting for them to ship. I was going to get murals uh, by um, Netgear and I decided to hold off and wait for token frame because the token frames just looked really good. Tokenframe.com, uh, tokenframe. I think it's, to I, I, they're on Twitter at token frame. Okay, um, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, their website is, yeah, tokenframe.com. So okay. they have they have different sizes. They just came out with a square one. 
but uh, I got I got one of the larger ones, and I can connect my ETH wallet into it and display cool. display all my art. In it. it has a swivel uh, mount, so if I want to do you know a day of just my landscape NFTs, I can do oh, that, okay. or I can switch it, turn it to vertical, and do that. Um, and I, I tweeted at them. I said, "So when is is Tez support coming?" Because I have over twelve hundred pieces of art on on uh the tezos blockchain and i was like i want to be able to 1200 yeah oh, <laughs> and i was like so i want to be able to display those pieces of art of sure. course um i have i have almost 300 on the eth blockchain but 1200 on tezos and they basically said just wait till 2022 so um i, I assume that they'll be adding that in the next few months or so uh which is awesome and Wild. you know the digital frames is cool because it's not just one piece of art it just goes through and i can set the timer for whatever and all my art goes through and i don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on framing um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i could sh- i have i have 20 prints around my basement in professional frames that cost between 200 and 500 each it adds up quickly yeah um, what's cool put- though is yeah. you're showing the authenticated copy because it's actually linked to your wallet exactly you're not and- just showing a copy you're showing the Exactly. And that's why I really love token frame because with some of these other frames, I literally had to download them and put them on a flash drive and then load yeah, them on, which is, is, it's a copy. I mean, yeah, obviously so, being digital, they're indiscernible, but right. Of course, there's still something but, to it. Right. But I know that that's not the original, yes. you know, on chain piece of art. And so, you know, then there's like stuff like my moment and, and uh, infinite objects and all this other stuff, which are, your NFT, but they're copies. Like I could order an infinite object of something I own and sell it the next day and still have the infinite object. Right. To me, you know, it's not the same. For for me who's a collector, like that doesn't feel right. And I yeah, think a lot I of people it. probably do that sort of thing. And I get it. It's it it's it's a it's a keepsake of something that you own. But for me, it's all about you know, having these things that I own that I'm able to show. Um, and as a collector, that's where my mind's at. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to right click save. I'm not trying to do any of that sort of stuff. I want to pull it straight from my wallet, put it on a digital frame, let it go through. Those are the original files that are going to be showing. So does that just work via like Bluetooth, like an app on your phone or something? Like how does yeah, it communicate to the frame? It's a phone app. Okay, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. So it connects, it connects the, cool. and there's technology in the frame that connects to your wallet. And then once it's connected to your wallet, it just, it just cycles through. Wild. What's, yeah. what's, uh, give me a ballpark figure. Like what's, you know, like a decent size frame. I don't know. Like, so the frame, four foot or whatever. Yeah. Be. So the frame that I got, let me get the exact dimensions for you, but the frame was like a thousand dollars, um, which I mean, in, in ETH world, it doesn't feel that bad like, because eh, 0.25. It, yeah, exactly. It's like 0.25. <laughs> yeah. So the one that I got is 32 inches. So it's 30, a 32 inch long frame. Oh, that's uh, good size. They have one size bigger than that, which is a 49 inch frame, uh, which maybe one day. And it's what, start- like a 16 by nine type format or? Yeah, exactly. And okay. and that one is over $2,000. Okay. So I figured I start with the 32 inch. That really will make all my art pop. 
Mm-hmm. If I love it, I can always get another one. Uh, but when I saw one that connected to the wallet, I was like, this is the one I want to try. And I'm I'm sure behind the scenes, there are tons of these things being worked on right oh, now. for sure. Because every celebrity that has an eight, every celebrity that has a, a cat, every celebrity that has- They want to show it. They want to show it off in the best way possible. And they want to show it on chain. They don't yep. want to just show it and be like, yeah, this is a copy of what I have. Like here. Exactly. They want to say, exactly. this is it, right? This is the piece of art. Like like the Mona Lisa at the Louvre. We don't know day to day whether that's the real Mona Lisa. There's probably no not. way to authenticate <laughs> it. It's probably not in there for safety reasons. But like, you know, I can look at that. I can go into a museum and look at all these pieces of art. And I know for most of them, these are the real pieces of art. But I don't know for sure. Right. With the art that I'm showing, I know that it's on chain and it's authenticated. And anybody can go and look me up and see that I own that piece of art so that part of it for collectors is so enormous especially Mm -hmm. the collectors that are out there spending millions and millions of dollars they want to know that they have something authentic and when they show it off they want people to know that this is authentic i own this i am i am the person who owns this piece of art and i think that authenticity and um you know the fact that it can't be faked and the blockchain shows all is enormous for the art community and that's why we're seeing it's truly a renaissance. We haven't seen art this popular since the renaissance. And yeah, it's I, true. I, I mean, I mean, that is, it sounds crazy, but I think it's, I don't think art has sold this much in. To common people too. Right. And that's, and that's the great thing about, you know, like the Tezos blockchain where you can go and you can get a piece of fine art for $25 or, or $40. Uh, and, and you're like, okay, I'm owning art now. And then people get into it and they're like, okay, this is awesome. And then they sort of, you know, migrate over to ETH and like, okay, now I, now that I get art collecting, now I'm going to go for the, I'm going to join with the Medici's or yeah, I'm going to go for the big stuff. (laughs) I'm going to go for the big stuff. Yeah. So it's been really cool to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting topic, actually. I haven't really discussed it much on the podcast is digital display technology and where we could see that going in the next few years, because I think you're right. I think that's an enormously important part of it that does tend to be overlooked because, you know, we just tend, I know for myself, if I buy a piece, I just look at it on my phone or or on my computer. But it makes a lot of sense to get to the point where it's like, I want this on display in my home or or in a gallery or whatever it is, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, exactly. And, and I, there have been gallery shows around the country uh, around the world, really, where they get, you know, 10 or 15 murals and they have them cycling through five different pieces of art each. And people can just sit there and see those pieces. And there are QR codes where you can go yep. in and you can look them up. You can buy them if they're for sale. Um you know, that sort of thing is pretty wild. Walking up to a piece of fine art and saying, hey, this is for sale. You can buy this. Um, that's not Have you been you... to like a live gallery where they were showing NFTs yet? I no, I haven't. Because of I COVID, haven't. I haven't. Yeah, exactly. Because of COVID. I And, and not much. I, so I'm in the Philadelphia area. And okay. so there really hasn't been a whole lot here. I'm sure if I went up to New York City, I could have gone mm-hmm. to several of them. Um, but yeah, I'm waiting for them to sort of make make their way here in, into the Philly area. I think it's only a matter of time at this point for that to happen. Uh, we're going to start seeing a whole lot more of that. And I think people are, artists are really excited. And it, it's so cool to see that artists are finally like getting recognition and, and, and making a living off of art, because this is something in my lifetime I've never seen before. You know, yeah. I always hear the, the stories about the starving artists, whether it's musicians, whether it's, you know, fine artists, whatever it may be, you know, 
with with the secondary sales and constant residual and passive income, you know, you have a band who doesn't want to sign a contract with a big company. They now and they go put out their album as an NFT and people buy it. And anytime that sells on the secondary market, they're getting a cut of it. It completely changes the game. It totally. cuts out it cuts out all this extra stuff that was taking money out of the artist's pocket and putting it directly in their pocket, which number one, you know, puts them in a comfortable position, which is awesome. And number two, it makes them want to create more because they they can see the effect of their art. They can see the effect and in, in the money that's coming in. And it's, you know, when they, when they go through these big companies and they get put on Spotify, they get like pennies for every play. Yeah, There's going to be an NFT. There's going to be an NFT version of Spotify where they're playing NFT files of, of these songs and every time there's a play the artist is going to get the residual income directly that changes the game that makes them want to create more it's awesome yeah um, it'll get to a point where like if you look at these layer two solutions or flow where it'll be extremely fast and efficient to pass that money around and it's not a case of getting paid once a year it's a matter you're getting paid as it's played you're getting paid yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you look at some of these big, you know, generative projects and, you know, they're bringing in thousands of ETH a week and they're getting whatever they set it to between five and 10% for most of them yep. uh, just for sitting around and doing nothing really. But I mean, the ones that are going to do well are the ones that are going to create brands. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's something we haven't really talked about yet is that these generative projects like Board Ape Yacht Club is, is very possibly the next Supreme. I mean, mm -hmm. they could easily become their own huge brand putting out a clothing line. Yep. And, you know, think about this. If if they put out a clothing line and they decide, okay, we're all of our holders are going to be basically our shareholders. They're going to be in shareholder meetings. They're going to help us make decisions. It's basically going to be, you know, a DAO mm -hmm. and, you know, help us make those decisions. Now think about this. We as holders of these tokens get passive income from the owners of the IP. So they get a deal uh, for $10 million. Okay. Every single holder of a board ape or a kennel club or a mutant gets a percentage of that based on their holdings. Now, and this so, is an interesting point you're making. I'm going to interrupt you because yeah. that, that moves into securities territory. Exactly. And that is where we're heading at a very fast pace. There are projects out there right now that are doing this where the holders get a portion of the secondary sales um in right. perpetuity and there's definitely some you know speaking from a lawyer point of view for a second there are the definitely securities is looking at this going hmm. the sec is already investigating a lot of projects i mean we're going to start seeing a lot of you know lawsuits and tax issues and there's all sorts of stuff that people aren't really thinking about because at certain times it feels like play money almost right and like so every time you sell an nft uh there it, it's a taxable event yeah. um now nfts right now are considered collectibles and not currency but um, you know, if you remove the currency from your MetaMask wallet and put it in your Coinbase wallet, now that's a currency event. Yes. Now, if you take that out and make it into fiat, you're going to get taxed in fiat. Um, but there are all these legal implications that are not being thought about. And come tax time this coming April, uh, the amount of audits it might be the highest in the history of the IRS because I've they are going my to be accountant this next round is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it is going to be an absolute, <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare and, and everything's on the blockchain. So if they have, if they can find your address or whatever, they can go through they and look at see. every single transaction. Yep. It's all there. Uh, don't, and 
don't try to hide it, folks. Just be honest. Oh, people are trying to hide serious problems. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, I see wash transactions all the time. I, I don't recommend it. No, I think it's not worth the risk. Yeah crazy to think about that it is I'm, I'm curious too about like you talked about spotify does how does that go with like say for example the nba with those players do they see any kind of residual residual income from say top shots for example so i, I am not you know i'm not even privy to that contract so okay i have i have i no just wonder idea. like say some I, guy like I, Stephen I, curry has a piece sell for you know two hundred thousand dollars it's, it's his rights to publicity there you know with a Right. right. So, or is that so, taken over by the NBA? I don't know. So I know that every single sales transaction, there's a 5% fee. I don't know the breakdown of that or, you know, is it goes to the players, to the teams, to whoever. Okay, okay. Um, I just, I'm not privy to that, but I mean, it is public knowledge that there's a 5% fee. Uh, I just don't know how that's broken down, but I assume that there is, um, a reason why the PA and, and the NBA sign on. And, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, that would make and sense. obviously would one of the selling of points. Yeah. And one of the selling points for all these IPs is, Hey, you are going to get passive income in yeah. perpetuity. Yes. Um, you know, not, that's not something that you could promise in the past. No. Um, obviously you could promise it to some degree in the contracts and everything, but with the smart contract that automatically pays it out on, you know, a continuously rolling basis, you don't have to worry about not getting paid. It, it, it really changes the game. Yeah. You're not waiting on somebody to, you know, okay. it. It's just, it's done. Right. And you don't have to rely on them to give you the real numbers. It's all right there in the blockchain, all easily discoverable and calculable. It's phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. So what's uh, next for you here? What What do you see are the big trends here happening over the next little while? You were talking about Tezzards the other day. I was so busy with my first week back at work as a teacher. I completely like lost track of all this stuff going on. Was so, it you that was asking me if I picked up a tether? I don't remember. And so, I was like, yeah, what, what's probably. a tether? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so there's an artist. Oh, my God, I drawed it. And uh, OMG, I drawed it. And uh, one of my favorite artists on uh, Tezos uh, mm-hmm. is famous for doing these bedroom scenes. Um, and one day he's like, I'm going to do this. Uh, I don't know if it's a they um, decided they were going to do a new project called Tezards. And they actually right. made seven Tezards uh, with like, I think there were 25 editions. And I, I was able to get like three of those. Mm-hmm. And now we have 8,888 one of one Tezards, uh, which as far as I can really tell, this was the first really large scale generative project on the Tezos blockchain. So is that on Hicket Nunk then? Yeah, so they're all viewable on Hicket Nunk. Uh, it, a new account was created. So they're all shown there as that mm-hmm. creator. Um, but there are like other sites that have popped up like object.com, OBJKT, mm-hmm. uh, where you can sort of view them a little bit easier, but I was in there, I was trying, I kept, I kept failing. I wasn't able to get one. And I was like really bummed out because I have these tethers now out of 25, which, you know, don't really, are not really going to hold the value, even though they're the OG tethers and, you know, were predecessors to this project. Now everybody has these one-of-one tethers that are uh-huh. worth way more money. Right. Um, so like as an OG holder, I was a little bit bummed out that, you know, we didn't at least get the opportunity if we we're holding to get a tethered. Okay. Um, so like things like that. You sound can, a little bitter. I, just a tiny bit, <laughs> only because I wasn't able to get them and they're so cool. Yeah, and yeah. now the prices are just like so sky high. It skyrocketed. 
Yeah, they skyrocketed. Okay. So, and, and there are a few artists on, on Tezos that have just seen their art skyrocket. One is John Carroll, who's mm. famous for doing like these window uh, pieces of art. And I mean, they're going for upwards of $50,000. Are you serious? Yeah. So there's some crazy stuff Whoa. going on there. And the amount of transactions and volume has really uh, shot up lately. So it, it, it's interesting uh, how these things are going to continue moving on. But the question I, th I think you asked me was, where do I see things going next? Yes. Yeah. And so now, where do I see things going next? Well, I think that these generative projects are going to start dying out soon. I think okay. that people are starting to get a little bit tired of, of the gambling. There is That's a glut. It, there is a glut. There, it's gambling. And there mm. are a lot of gamblers in the NFT scene because they mm. come, they've come from sports betting, they've come from DFS, and they've come from um, you know, day trading and they've yep. come from cryptocurrency trading, which is incredibly risky still. Um, so, you know, people like gambling and when you get these generative projects, people jump in, they put in what they're willing to, to put in yep. and maybe they hit on that really, really rare one that can make them a whole lot of money. And I think that, you know, people are going to start moving toward more blue chip type projects. Obviously Board Ape Yacht Club has really built out a, a niche for itself. And I don't think other sure. pro many other projects are going to be able to reach that sort of, um, the, the sort of heights that they've gotten to. But I think we're starting to move toward these one of one pieces of art. Fine art is a $6 billion a year, uh, you know, uh, market. And yeah. so, you know, we're nowhere near that in the fine art market in uh, blockchain and we should be, and we're probably going to get there with, you know, in the not too uh, distant future. So I think that fine art is going to start taking over and that the other thing that's going to happen is collectibles. We're going to see a lot more comics. We're going to see a lot more um, cards or moments, you know, videos of sports or pictures of sports. I think that's where we're going to start heading to in the, you know, within the next couple of years. But after that, and maybe within the next two years, we're going to start seeing those real life applications. And that might happen within the next year or two. Like, for example, and this is like something crazy to think about, but let's say that a sports team comes up and they're going to do NFT tickets for their next sporting event. Sure. You get to the sporting event, you have your ticket, the ticket has a QR code. They scan the QR code. The second it scans the QR code, the ticket burns and replaces with an NFT ticket for that game with right. all the information from that game or a piece of art with like the date or whatever, a, a, a keepsake. Yep. Now you go in and you have that. Now people who are holding the NFT that they've gotten scanned can uh, – go and put into raffles during the game to get their seat upgraded or get free food or get a free Jersey. And so, and the or meet are, a player or, or whatever. meet a player after yeah, the game yeah, yeah. or get a player's shoes after the game, whatever it may be, because you have that NFT, it's, it's this new sort of interaction you can do with the fans. The other thing that's great for sports teams that are going to do this is if people want to sell their ticket before the game, they can do that. And the res and part of the sales is going to come back to the team. Right. So it right now through Ticketmaster or StubHub, right. Right, they don't really get much of that. They don't see much of that because there's all these secondary sales on these secondary platforms. But if it goes through their own smart contract, they're going to get the money for all those secondary sales. Um, so it, it's really going to change the game. It's going to bring more money into these um, sports teams to 
bands that are doing this for concert tickets and they'll be able to do even more cool things for their fans which is what we've seen artists do that as more and more people come in and they get more and more passive income they want to donate it or they want to give back to the community because you know at a certain point like you're you're well off you're you're good to go and you can really give back and feel good about it because giving back feels awesome if you have the means to do so. So I, I think that's where we're really heading is like these IRL applications. Um, I, I, I mean, you can hear the excitement in my voice. I can yes. talk about this all day. Yeah. I mean, there's so many crazy things that can happen. I love it. I mean, it's just so cool how you are able to move from an entirely different career that's, you know, a successful established, like, good career like financially speaking into something that's you know completely new but it's just a passion and here you are doing this and it's just i love that i mean i'm i'm on that path as well myself i do love teaching i'm i don't see myself leaving teaching honestly um but i do see myself dedicating more time to the nft stuff right you know so it's it, it's an interesting place to be, and it's neat to hear that from you. I mean, obviously, it's still pretty fresh for you. You've been in since just a few months, right? Yeah. So, when did you actually first like learn about crypto? <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's go back in the wayback machine here. So I knew about crypto back in 2009, 2010. Oh area. man, 2009. Yeah, so this was back when, and, and I don't know if you would even remember this, but this was back when we used to have things called fountains, and and right, fountains, the faucet or the fountain. A yeah, faucet or a fountain, faucet, exactly. Yeah, you just get the free... And you would go to these websites and you would just literally solve math, math problems and you would get Satoshis for solving yes. the math problem like a couple at a time. But it added up, of course. And you know, I got to the point where I had, I think I had between eight and nine Bitcoin. Okay, and, nice. You know, so we're talking about in 2011. So, I mean, they were, they were worth like, a I don't know, two. $2 each. No, maybe yeah. it was 2010, whatever. It was like two, two to $3 yeah, each. Yeah. And I, I famously, I, I'm not one of those people that spent like a thousand Bitcoin on a pizza, but I spent eight Bitcoin on a pizza from Domino's <laughs> that I'm 99% <laughs> sure thinking back on it, that I didn't even finish the pizza. Um, and then I also spent uh, one Bitcoin on an $80 Amazon gift card. Um, so that was, you know, and that was back before I went to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to law school in 20, 2011 to 2012. And uh, that's when I, you know, I didn't have time. I just kind of stopped following it. And, I, uh, and then I got into Dogecoin okay, and nice. <clears throat> on Reddit. And I was like super into that, bought a whole bunch of Dogecoin. I think I had about 500,000 Dogecoin. Oh, nice. Um, and I was part of that whole thing where Josh Wise, the NASCAR driver, okay. got sponsored yeah, by yeah. No- Dogecoin. Yeah, I was one of the... One of the top sponsors on that project um, wow, that's and then cool. and there were, and then there were some other projects going on there and we got josh wise into the all-star race when he was like a complete nobody and had no business being in the all-star race yeah. uh, but we loved him and he was so embracing of the dogecoin community we got him in there so then that i was into that and then um i you know, I started working for a judge and I just had no time at all. And of just, course. it wasn't exciting at the time. And I really wasn't in a financial position where I could just throw money at stuff and hope that it worked out. Um, and so, you know, I went, actually went back and found my old laptop from 2012, which one of my cats knocked off a table and broke the screen and it, it oh, wasn't right. working oh, no. and it had a wallet on it. 
Okay. And it was worth like, you know, 20 or 30 bucks or whatever it was at the time. So I didn't really think much of it. And in March of this year, I was, I went into like my, my storage space. because I kept the laptop and I got the laptop out and I found my old charger and I plugged it into a monitor. And sure enough, the wallet was there. It took me almost three days to get the Bitcoin wallet caught <laughs> up update. on, yeah, to get it updated. Uh, and there was about $12,000 of Bitcoin still sitting on there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sitting there <laughs> just sitting there for the last 10 years so that was cool but i mean i had like five hundred thousand dogecoin which i had luckily converted into bitcoin um oh, okay which as it turns out had i not done that and held the dogecoin to now it probably would have been you know earlier this year it was like 75 cents i could have sold for yeah for a nice a nice chunk but i mean oh, only four hundred thousand dollars so it's sort of been in my purview for a long time. I yep. actually put on a couple, uh, when I was in law school, I put on uh, a few programs with uh, people who were into Bitcoin back then to like kind of talk about what the legal uh, mm -hmm. aspect would be, which we still haven't figured out 10 years later. So yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I was certainly ahead of the curve there, but like just with the way my career went, it just sort of fell by the wayside. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be back into it now, but it's sort of been something I've known about for a while, but I really dove into the deep end starting mm. the beginning of this year. Did you have any big wins with those early Top Shots pieces you bought? Uh, yeah, I had, I had some decent wins. Uh, my account, I think, is up somewhere in the fifteen dollars to $18,000 range. It should have nice. been way more. Um, you know, well, when it got up to, a lot, right? Yeah, when it got up to that peak, I... I held everything because i thought it was just going to keep going up which you know was just naivety at looking back at it because nothing can go up forever mm -hmm. um and so and my biggest win was my my board ape uh, uh -huh. and so that has really paid for everything else that i've done did you sell so, it yeah i sold it okay um it so i okay so I sort of screwed up because I was just like so new at it. I bought four board apes in okay. the original sale. I minted four apes and I sold and they were like four... 0.02 ETH, I 0.08. So like a hundred bucks. They were 0 0.08 each, I think. So oh, okay. So 400 so bucks a piece. Yeah. So I paid 0.32 ETH back in whenever it came out, February, I guess it was. Okay. Um, Would have been a little less than. Yeah, I think I think ETH, ETH that was before ETH spike, so it was like it was, still yeah, around like nineteen hundred, two thousand, and yeah. and then it went up to forty two hundred, then all yeah, the way back yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. But so um, it was like six hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, so I sold those four <laughs> apes for a total of one point six ETH. Oof! I bought back in one ape at point four three. Okay. And so and sold it last week right before the mutant release at sixty five ETH. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, man. Thank you. So you went from 0.4 ETH on the piece to how many did you say? 65. 65. So for those who don't know, that's <laughs> about three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, if and I'm correct. So, uh, or am two, I thinking in Canadian? Two twenty-five. Two twenty-five. Yeah, you're thinking Canadian, Canadian yeah. dollars. Two, yeah. But two hundred twenty-five thousand I mean, US. Whoa. Yeah. I, five. Five. About five was taken off the top through the open sea fees and the uh, residual and the yeah. residual okay. uh, for uh, board eight. But I mean, unbelievable. It, it has now paid for. So I have about three hundred. Um, I have about three hundred uh, NFTs in ETH, twelve hundred in Tezos, and then I have seven hundred Top Shot moments. It's all right. gravy now. Like it, wow. it's all gravy. I was gonna ask you about that with cashing out with flow. I remember there was a period of time where some people were having issues with that where they were trying to cash out their their sales has that all been sorted i mean i, I know that was a while ago 
Yeah, so that was that was like February March when yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we went from five thousand users to five hundred thousand users within a <laughs> bit within, of a jump within like three weeks. Yeah, um, and they just they just couldn't catch up. They're completely caught up now. Uh, people put in uh, requests for withdrawals. It happens in two days now. Yeah, okay. Um, and they I remember that... that being a problem, but it was heavily yeah. heavy heavy traffic. Yeah, yeah, that's completely resolved now. Um, as long as so they still have to do like fraud reviews and things like that but um it, it still it moves very very quickly the team is unbelievable they just move really fast uh the kyc has really helped move that mm -hmm. process along which you know kyc is totally normal for any sort of cash out they gotta uh, have it to, yeah. to, to to you know any sort of currency mm -hmm. so uh you know it helps protect the ip and when you're working with somebody like the nba it's better to get it right than to yeah. make everybody happy they don't and, want any to have anything to do with anything shady Right, exactly. So yep. very important, but yeah, no, that's all resolved. And I think I think they they have plans to make that process even smoother and faster uh, moving forward. So you know, hopefully that happens soon as well. Very interesting. Wow. Hey, Matt, I've really enjoyed talking with you. It's been really interesting. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Uh, love to talk again. I mean, that was one sure. of the that was one of the fastest hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the reason why I do this show. I just love talking about this stuff. So. Me too. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.